now the expectation is not just make the tournament. The expectation is get to that Final Four, you know, win a national championship, get to the ACC championship and win that game, you know, call ourselves champions, you know, win the league, win, be top two, top three in the league now. It's not, it's no more, let's just get in a, you know, top five, top six. So, you know, now it's just way different expectations around campus. And, you know, we're living up to it, and I think they'll continue to live up to it. Um, you know, for as long as, you know, Coach Ham and that staff is there because they're doing a great job bringing in the right kids. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Mann. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, Nose fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Hear the Spear, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We have a big, massive interview on this podcast this week. We've got Terrence Mann coming on. We're going to go through a couple things uh, beforehand with some highlights of the week, a little bit of football. Uh, stuff and some transfer transfer uh, situations happening and then we're going to lead you off and end the podcast with the Terrence Mann uh, interview he talks about uh, what's going on now with him training for the NBA and the NBA draft and also his time at Florida State and how much it has changed as a program from when he first started but let me go and introduce you guys to uh, my two co-hosts uh, lead writer Dustin Lewis and lead graphic designer Fisher Goober Atkins. What's going, What's going on? on? Okay, well, Dustin, I mean, Dustin usually goes. First. I know. What is Dustin doing? <laughs> Dustin's over here, and I'm not cutting that either. I, y'all make me cut everything, like all these pauses. So that's staying well, I, in there. I cut low. I mean, I cut Dustin off too early last time. Oh, you so now, I, was just, I thought, you know, you got a lot to say, apparently, since you cut people off. So I'm just going to let you start <laughs> it off. Whatever, man. Uh, yeah. What's up, y'all? Oh, man, a few words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's going on? We're not cutting this for real? No, we're not. No, that's going to be raw. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> but yeah, we had, we had a pretty good interview. How do you guys like that with Terrence Mann? I mean, seriously, though, Terrence, he, he had a lot to say about his time at Florida State you know, about where his career is kind of shifting to now with, with the NBA and everything. And, you know, it's it's really great to hear from a player that, that really helped change the, the Florida State basketball program moving forward. Yeah, Terrence uh, is an incredible, just an incredible re- incredible representation of Florida State basketball and, and the program there uh, at FSU. Um, just a really awesome guy and, and really enjoyed getting to talk to him and, and hearing about um, sort of what's going on in his time at Florida State. Well, let's get these quick hitters out of the way, the highlights of the week, and then we'll, we'll get you guys over to the interview in a minute. 
But uh, we'll start off with probably some of the biggest news with uh, a guy that's uh, re-entered the transfer portal, uh, redshirt junior right tackle, Landon Dickerson. And there again, on Wednesday, uh, we just checked the Florida State roster, and he's actually been removed from the site. Uh, and I, I kind of want to get your thoughts, Dustin, on... And there there's some rumors that some of the players are definitely ready for him to leave if, if you're not focused, if you're not all in uh, with, with Tagger and, and, the, and the process going forward get out uh, and there's a lot of players that uh, probably are kind of ticked off with that situation they're kind of like get out of here uh, what do you think this this means for the offensive line of course depth wise but uh, just as like Clements as a first year offensive uh, line coach uh, just detail your thoughts on the Dickerson port, uh, transfer portal <coughs> Well, I mean, obviously, Landon Dickerson was one of the most talented offensive linemen, if not the most talented offensive lineman on the roster heading into 2019. But, I mean, the main question with him, and that's throughout his entire career in Tallahassee, has been his durability. I mean, he played in just seven games back in 2016. He played in four games in 2017. And, I mean, last year he didn't get on the field much. He had that ankle injury and – I mean, it really just seems like he's always hurt. So, I mean, despite that talent, you don't really get him on the field a lot. So I don't think this loss is, is as big as some people have made it out to be. But I've also seen a lot of other people note that his injury problems don't make this the biggest loss in the world. Yeah, I, I agree with Dustin. Um, I'm, I'm honestly probably pretty just bitter at this point. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with the mentality of, of if, if you don't want to be here, then just go. Um, and I, and I think like Dustin said, I think a lot of, a lot of the players probably feel the same way. Um, and Dustin, you hit it on the head. Yeah. This is a guy that just couldn't stay healthy. Um, contributed at times was a good player, but, but you never really got the best of him and you never really got uh, consistent, uh, play. Um, so losing him, obviously it hurts because he, he is your most talented lineman, but at the same time, you know, he was, he was pretty absent from the field last year. So, um, you know, he essentially left the program a year ago anyway. So, um, <laughs> it, I mean, he just, you know, he wasn't there. So, it, it, it you know, he wasn't on the field. Um, but, yeah, this it's hurts depth, obviously. Uh, I think you're really looking at a guy like Ryan Roberts. Um, he, he needs to come in and he needs to be a day one starter for this team. Um, I don't even know that he's gr- that great of a player. But, um, you know, he's got to be a guy that you can look to. Um with just the limited depth they have there already at tackle. And also you've got some guys like uh, redshirt freshman Jalen Goss and uh, some veterans in Juan Williams and Abdul Bello and a guy who just got on campus in uh, the spring offensive tackle, Jay Williams. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of bodies, but the question is, is there enough talent? Right, right, yeah. A guy that has been in the transfer portal for a little while now, a uh, former four-star running back, speedy guy, Amir Rasul. Uh, he, he came out that it, he's named his top four teams that he's most interested in transferring to, FAU, FIU, Mississippi State, and Baylor. Uh, and kind of correlation to this, DeAndre Francois uh, came out that he will be walking on 
at FAU down south, down in South Florida, and he'll be coached by Lane Kiffin. Uh, we'll see if how it is. It's kind of a to me, it's a little late for a quarterback to be transferring. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if he's in shape and all that kind of stuff, and what Lane Kiffin. You know, he's given him a chance, but uh, what he'll be able to perform there at FAU and all that. Any thoughts on the Francois transfer? Is any? Well, first off, I sh- Fisher, I want to say, what what do you think about Amir Rasul possibly ending up at Mississippi State? Would would that be something that makes you happy? Dude, absolutely. Come on, man. Uh, man, I, I I always admired Amir Rasul, just his his patience. Um, I mean, what's the what's the running back situation like over there? Right yeah, now. so so uh, a guy, Aries Williams, was kind of the guy the past four years. Um, he recently just graduated, um, and so now you have a, a guy in in Kylan Hill, who I really think is is one of the nation's elite backs that you haven't heard of. I expect him to have a breakout year, and, and he's definitely the guy on offense. Um, but but behind him, I don't know that there's. Uh, very other guy, many other guys who you can expect to make a big impact. So I think there's definitely an opportunity at Mississippi State for Amir. Um, I think Amir is an is an awesome guy and, and a good kid and um, lightning fast, ton of ability, ton of talent. And I think uh, he could thrive at a place like Mississippi State where um, you know if he's given the opportunity, I think he's going to make the most of it. So um, I would love to see him um, be a bulldog in Starkville. Absolutely. And any thoughts on Deion Francois or any whatsoever? Uh, um, yeah. Dustin, you got it. You go. I mean, I definitely think you know he's he's at least getting another opportunity. And I don't. I mean, I don't know if this is confirmed or anything, but I've seen some whispers that he potentially has two years of eligibility remaining, since mm-hmm. he could uh, apply for a medical redshirt for that injury that cost him pretty much all the 2017 season. So, you know, I think it'd, it'd be a really interesting pairing for, for Lane Kiffin and DeAndre Francois, you know, to, to work with one another, I feel like. Yeah, my, my thoughts exactly. Um, he's probably going to be like a seventh-year senior by the time he's done playing <laughs> college football. Um, yeah, I don't know with with his situation and what's going on that Lane Kiffin in South Florida is necessarily the best environment for him. Um, yeah, but might have been know, the only environment. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. So um, I don't know. You, you know, even with the way things ended, I, I hope to, I hope he succeeds, and, and I wish him the best there. Um, hope I'm glad he gets a gets a chance to, to play football again. So. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, just just taking a quick look at Florida Atlantic's quarterback situation. I mean, they've got a former highly touted recruit from, who transferred from Oklahoma in quarterback Chris Robeson. He started this past season, and you know he threw twelve touchdowns at twelve picks. Also ran for two hundred eleven yards and three touchdowns. So I mean, he's a little versatile, but I mean, he definitely seems like a guy that that Francois could beat out especially since, you know, he spent the majority of his year at a high-caliber school like Florida State, even if the last two seasons haven't lived up to that. <laughs> FAU has really set up a nice little uh, pipeline for quarterbacks from Florida State. Yeah. Well, DeAndre Johnson uh, transferred from there this offseason, actually. Oh, really? To Texas Southern of and the FCS. Had, uh, John, Jonathan Franklin. 
It kind of yeah. goes in a funnel. So a little bit. yeah, you, you go from Florida State, you go to Last Chance U, wherever the heck that, wherever school that that's, you're going that to, is and then an hour outside of Starkville, Mississippi, Scuba, Mississippi. Did you play there? Yeah, I'm walking on there. Were you? Oh yeah, they did. They were giving out uh, scholarships and second chances to the water boys, right? Yeah, I actually uh, attended a, a summer course at uh, EMCC this past summer. Uh, I had a wonderful instructor, learned a lot. Oh yeah. Got So yeah. uh, <laughs> I've changed views for everybody. <laughs> it was a it was a public speaking course. I enjoyed it a ton. Okay, it seems to be working really well on the podcast too. By the way, as you can tell, my public speaking is is impeccable. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and then let's go. Uh, okay, we're Home actually, run. Okay, so <laughs> Florida State. We're currently watching this live while we're recording. Anna Shellnut. Okay, so Florida State was down three to one at the bottom of the seventh, but Shellnut Shellnut just dropped a bomb. Now they're still down one. Um, Zero outs. Yeah. Good shot. Good shot. That was far too. Uh, and so back on, we'll end this, the rest of the, the majority of this segment, then we'll transfer it over to the interview with Terrence Mann. Uh, I, I had an interesting conversation with somebody uh, that that's, knows inside of the program a little bit, and I, I've gotten intel that we're talking about uniforms here, so everybody's now going to wake up, they're probably asleep listening to the first part of this, but... Um, everybody's talking about the white numbers, even the trim on the shoulder pads and all of that jazz. But the main thing is wanting the white numbers bag. Jameis Winston uh, has put it out publicly that he is formally supportive of this movement. A lot of former Noles have too. Some other people really don't give a damn because they just want to see wins and they could wear pink and white and green if, uh, they were winning. So, but, uh, as of this season, uh, the white numbers is not going to be uh, on Florida State's jersey. This goes a lot with the Nike contract and what they signed. Uh, there is a very strong possibility possibility for 2020 for this to happen. Um, it just it's they've already Florida State's already put in their order for the jerseys for this upcoming season. That's already in place. Can't go back on that um, and. Looking to the future into 2020, there, there's most likely a better possibility. And I know we had a little bit of a contract talk. I think it's four every four or five years, Florida State will get with Nike, and they'll come to an agreement. All right, do we want to change anything? Blah blah blah. So much money uh, goes into it. And Nike uh, will pay Florida State and all this. Pay Florida State with a lot of it. So a lot of money goes into it. Uh, and I know, I know Fisher. We talked a little bit before recording the podcast and just your opinion on the white numbers or whatever it was with the uniform. Yeah. Since you're a graphic designer, this is some great, uh, I don't know, info here. Yeah, so so I <laughs> uniforms are something I really enjoy just because I'm a, I'm a graphic designer in my mind. I think, I think about design a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say, you might have to fire me. After I say this, um, this could be my last time on the podcast. I don't mind the gold numbers. I think they look fine. Okay. I think they. Wow. Look, I think they look good, actually. I think gold is an appropriate color for the numbers because you got gold on the helmet, gold on the jersey, and gold on the pants. So I think it works pretty well there. Um, I don't think Florida State looks like Boston College, and I think if you get the two confused, you're blind. 
There's a or you're just a bad fan. They look nothing alike. <laughs> that's my that's my first thought. I don't mind the gold numbers. I'm fine with it. Um, second thought is I don't care about uniforms right now. I, I want to see a better team and I want to see wins. Uniform changes is the last thing on my mind. The Florida State can get ten wins, go to a bowl game and win it, beat the Gators, beat Miami. Then we can talk uniforms. But until then, I don't care. Um, and I, I just think it's stupid because talking about uniforms, talking about changing it up was something that Taggart did last year, and look what happened. I mean, it's the last thing we need to be worrying about. And I think it's, I just think it's dumb that fans are so into it and so worried about it when we haven't even seen a better product on the field. So there's my there's my rant. So I just gonna, lost. Let me um, <clears throat> let me go ahead and put this out here. All right. So Fisher Adkins is on Twitter at Fisher underscore Adkins. Yep. You can tweet at him. Come talk uh, to me. Uh, please I do. I probably won't reply. Yeah. Subtweet him everything. <laughs> but that's where he's at. Uh, if you're going to come after his neck. Before I transfer over to the interview with Terrence Mann, we were watching it live. Uh, Florida State just lost to Oklahoma State 3-2. to two. I'm sure we'll go over this in the next podcast a little bit and give our thoughts. Um, but the defending national champions are out. They will not go to the Women's College World Series. Tough loss, very emotional, uh, and tough. They had a, they had a, sh- a, a strong and great season, though. Um, it sucks, though, while in Tallahassee, too, on the third game. Oklahoma State's pretty good, though. They are. But enjoy the interview. Like I said, you can always listen to Hear the Spirit on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, and uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Enjoy the interview. Nichols has to launch from way outside. Man, what an offensive rebound and flush by Terrence Mann. Hey, you thought Mooney was getting his rebound, didn't you? I did. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, oh. Didn't block out. No. Terrence Mann is a tremendous athlete. Three-year starters had a really nice career. One of those players probably hasn't gotten enough attention in the ACC. He's in foul trouble. Eugene Longer, good feed. Man will put it down like a man. And Obiaga with the rebound. He's got a couple of them. Terrence Mann drives by Perkins. Got the two. Foul. All right, guys. We have our big guest on with us this week. We got the Thousand Point Club member, first in games played, first in career victories, and also helped lead Florida State basketball to three straight NCAA tournaments for the third time in school history. Terrence, man, what's happening, my dude? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Just chilling. <laughs> chilling. What, what are you, uh, you? You were talking to us before we started recording, but what's your uh, status right now and where you're at? Yeah, so right now I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, doing some uh, pre-draft workouts, kind of just getting ready for and staying in shape for when I go work out for teams um, here in the next couple of weeks before the draft. Yeah, I saw we've seen a little bit of you working out for a couple teams. Can you name a few of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so far I worked out for Atlanta Hawks. Uh, that was about a week and a half ago before the combine. Um, and then after the combine, I worked out for the Sixers. Went straight from the from Chicago straight to Philly and worked out for the Sixers. Yeah, so Terrence, you recently participated uh-huh. in the NBA G League Elite Camp. 
And then mm-hmm. following your performance in that, you were invited to the 2019 NBA Combine. What were those experiences like? Uh, it was amazing, man. Um, you know, to be able to go to the G League camp, um, and it, it, I think it was their first year doing it. So um, it was just a great experience all around, you know, playing against guys I played against for four years. Um, most of us there were seniors, so um, it was just nice. And then to be able to get that call up, you know, kind of not knowing um, if you're going to get to the next combine, it was kind of scary. You know, just uh, well, funny story. I was on my way to the airport when they called me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they called me and I was, I was checking in my bag and I was, I was giving the, the, my, the lady, my bag to put under the plane. And I got a call from a random number and I was like, I wasn't going to answer it. Uh, but then I was like, you know what, let me just answer it. It might be something important. It might be my agent or something. So I answered it and they were like, yeah, we need you back. Um, you know, back at the hotel, you just got invited to NBA combine, yada, yada, yada. So that was just kind of cool how it all went down. That's yeah, awesome. But it, it was a great experience just to be able to play in front of you know all those scouts. There are a lot of you know big time NBA players there, big time Hall of Famers. Larry Bird was there sideline, so it was just an amazing experience. It's got to it's got to feel also special too, you know, with Kevin Gelly kind of going you know going through that situation too, mm-hmm. both of y'all being able to talk to each other and you know go through that ride. Yeah, I mean that that stuff that we you know we dreamed about, stuff that we talked about before, you know, chilling in the in our uh, dorm rooms, just talking about, you know, the future and stuff like that. And to be able to go through it together was kind of fun. Uh, what's up, Terrence? This is Fisher. Um, just want to say oh, yeah. again, thank you for coming on uh, this morning. Um, you know, you're kind of talking about some guys in the NBA, some big-time NBA guys. Um, speaking of NBA guys, Florida State has had their run of guys who are now in the league, um, specifically Malik Beasley, Dwayne Bacon, and uh, Jonathan Isaac. And you had the chance to play with those guys. Um and, and you'll hopefully be – you will be joining those guys pretty soon here in the NBA. Uh, but could you mm-hmm. kind of just describe to us what it was like playing with those guys, uh, those special talents who, who you know that they're one day going to be in the NBA. So what was it like playing with them? Yeah, I mean, playing with them was amazing. Um, you know, just because they're such a special talent, you don't cross it every day. And, you know, just being with them every day, not only on the court but off the court, they're all great guys. You know, a lot of them, you know, Dwayne is my best friend still to this day. I'm still close to Malik. I talk to John, you know, here and there all the time. But uh, those guys are just great. And being around them um, and how they play at such a high level kind of brings that out of you and makes you want to play at a high level, you know, to tell people you compete against them and you do just as good. So, you know, they. I I don't want to say, you know, they're they're the reason why me and Fiondu are – me, Fiondu, Chris, Phil, you know, everybody who's in this situation to play in the next level right now are in this situation, but, you know, they have a big part in it. You know, they were the one who paved the way. You know, we saw them go through the process, and, you know, we knew that we were able to play with them, so it kind of gave us the confidence to, you know, be able to do the same thing. Right, right, right. Cool. They gave gave a lot of hints at what this program was going to be, and then watching you come in and see a change is big motivation for you, I'm sure. I want to yeah, ask definitely big time motivation. Oh yeah, I want to ask about the the Duke game uh, at mm-hmm. home and the tuck. I was there. I mm-hmm. have to say the atmosphere. I've never seen the Civic Center like that. Can you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was probably the craziest one. <laughs> it, it was. It was probably at least in my top five of events I've gone to. And I've gone to Pasadena for the national championship and. Dallas State uh-huh. and they play Oklahoma State, but that that environment was awesome. But 
How, how was uh, how was the game for you? And just tell me about how it was in the locker room afterwards, because that was still a lot of season left to be played, and just the mentality uh-huh. was in locker room, and definitely Coach Hamilton and what he told you guys. So at at that point in time in our season, um, we were all really banged up. You know, we had a lot of guys with a few injuries. Uh, myself, I had a heel problem. Phil just got back with his foot. Trent's toe was bothering him. Um, you know, Chris's knees was hurting him. So we, we, we were playing banged up. And, you know, we were just out there trying to give it our all. Um, and I think our coaches knew that. You know, our coaches knew we weren't at 100%. He knew we were just out there fighting, giving all we got. So in the locker room after, um, you know, he just told us he, he was proud of us, you know, um, that play at the end where Cam Reddish hit the three, we actually run, we run a slanted one, three, one, um, side out of bounds defense. So, you know, credit to coach K, he drew up a play where they submarined us all the way into the paint and then had Cam Reddish running out, uh, with nobody guarding him. So, you know, the play was just, it was just better. It was just drawn up, uh, you know, specifically for that defense that we were in and we couldn't guard it. But, you know, everybody gave it their all. And, you know, our coaches were proud of us, Coach Ham. Um, especially, you know, he told us we we're going to go on a run still. Don't worry about it. You know, it was one of the first few games of the ACC. We still had plenty of time. Um, we just needed to recover from our injuries and get right to it. Uh, that game, I believe ESPN's uh, PR tweeted that uh, it was one of the biggest viewed games, at least definitely in the regular season, but the whenever that second half started, it, it was skyrocketed. It was just so entertaining mm-hmm. all around, and I, that, like I said, the atmosphere there is what I think is probably going to stay in Tallahassee for a good while, and we'll get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just moving forward in the season, uh, how emotional was was senior night for you? Your la- your last game in Tallahassee. I mean, your class had a lot of veterans in it with Kamaji, David Nichols, PJ Savoy, and and Kofer, along with that mm-hmm. insane comeback against Virginia Tech in your final game at home. Yeah, I mean that game was very special to me, um, especially to our class, uh, just because we feel like we started something um, at Florida State basketball within the program. Um, and we kind of wanted to go out with a bang, and there were a lot of emotions in that first half. And I think that's why Virginia Tech ended up going by so much, because um, we were just playing off emotion, and we weren't really, you know, playing, you know, our game uh, to the fullest and our defense to the fullest. I think it was the defensive side for the most part. Um, but then at halftime, you know, we knew we we knew. I think at halftime we knew we were going to win the game. Um, you know, funny funny saying that. I think we were down like thirteen or fourteen, but we knew. You know, we knew. What we knew what we knew what to do to win the game. We knew what we had to do, um, and we came out and kind of just just got right to it. Um, and that's that's just a veteran team, and it showed, you know, how much that that game meant to us. We never lost the United since I've been there, so you know we weren't trying to lose. And at halftime, we you know we all looked at each other and was like, you know, let's go out there and win this game. We know we got to do to win it. We knew we knew how they were scoring. Um, we were going to shut that down, and we went out there and executed. Speaking of speaking of Virginia Tech, they they definitely had some trouble with y'all this season, uh, as we know, um, specifically mm-hmm. in that senior night, also in the ACC tournament. Um, one thing we love to do with with each of our guests on the show is is kind of uh, go back to a to a moment in their career and, and highlight and, and kind of get their take on it. So 
Uh, I'm going to play a, a clip um, from, from a pretty memorable moment in your career, uh, and then I'll just kind of get your take on it. All right. By MJ Walker. Man going the distance. Got it! The Iron Kind! Florida State leads. 1.8 remaining. Timeout. Terrence, that was uh, an incredible shot by you uh, to put Florida State mm-hmm. over Virginia Tech in overtime. And the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament this year, uh, which sparked a, a run there in the tournament um, that set y'all up for, um, you know, a good a good run in the NCAA tournament. But uh, take us through through that play and kind of the emotions uh, that you're feeling, and, and really just that shot and, and and what it meant to get that win. Uh, yeah. So you know that 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 was very that was you know big time play uh, by me, big head big heads up play. Um, so I think Nikhil Alexander had missed the the layup, or you know he was going right. He's not really good when he goes right. So he had missed it. We grabbed the rebound, and everybody was kind of jogging up the court. And I was like, "Why is everybody jogging for six seconds?" Like, and uh, so I was calling for the ball. I was like, "Trent, give me the ball, give me the ball," because everybody saw everybody jogging. So once I caught it, I knew that I was going to go straight to the basket. Like I'm gonna go. You know, nobody's gonna stop me. I'm gonna go. So as I was going. I took the bump from a mid hill and I thought they were going to call foul. So when I took the bump, I was like, let me shoot it to make sure, you know, it's either going to be an one or I'm going to shoot two free throws and it just won't be on the floor. Cause I didn't know if we were in the bonus or not. So, you know, I, those, that, that shot I took, believe it or not, you know, I take that shot and pick up where we play pickup in the summer all the time. So yeah. <laughs> and I take that bump, I take that bump, I call foul and shoot it off the glass or I shoot it in. You know, everyone's yelling at me. Oh, that's not a foul. That's not a foul. <laughs> so, so I just did. I just did what I'm norm- what I normally do. What I'm comfortable with. I took the bump, fade away, shot it up. Um, and I thought it was gonna. It felt so good. I thought it was gonna drop right in when I let it go. But yeah, you know, I ended up like rattling around the rim and then dropping in. Um, and then you know that was one of the biggest shots of my life, just because you know it sparked a run all the way to the ACC championship and right, absolutely, you know, give us a great opportunity to be ACC champions. Yeah, and I think I, I think Kawhi Leonard was actually watching that game. Uh, <laughs> really, I think he was taking some notes from you. His his game would have looked a little bit right, like right. that shot there. So uh, you it know, it's good that he's, it's good that he's able to learn from you. <laughs> right, right, right. I was about to say the way you uh, worded it there, Terrence, it sounded just like Kawhi with the rattling in the rim and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, but you know, seeing it, I, didn't, I actually didn't see it fall through. I just heard because I was on the ground and I just heard the crowd go crazy. So I didn't know if they were going crazy because I made it or because I missed it. Right, it's a neutral site. No idea. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I see my teammates jumping up, so I was like, yeah, I just thought it. You know, I put my hands up in the air. And I was like, yeah, I guess I made it. <laughs> That's awesome. And you got to give Evan Vassell some props for hitting that three at the end of regulation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Devin's going to be a spectacular player for the program um, in these next few years. And, you know, his ability to shoot that ball, especially from the corner, is big time. I kind of, the question before uh, Fisher played the sound bite, this kind of goes with how the program has changed uh, for FSU basketball. I just want to get your thoughts on people and FSU fans and even rival fans throwing out there that Florida State's now a basketball school. You know, it's it's been well known, of course, mm-hmm. a lot of love is for football. But how does it feel, mm-hmm. you know, you have the, that fan base that is so hard on with football, 
but then you see an outrageous support uh, for the basketball program that y'all worked so hard to get the name out across the country. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I first got there, the goal was to make the tournament. You know, that was our only goal. We wanted to make the tournament, make the tournament. You know, everybody, we all knew it was a football school. You know, I walk around campus, nobody knew who we were. Nobody knew. Barely, you know, our freshman year, barely anyone knew Bacon and Beasley. You know, nobody was paying attention. They just knew we had a good class coming in and we might be good. You know, they just thought it was all hype. Um, so, you know, we just sat down and we was like, you know, let's change this, man. We know we're good. We know we can go out here and change this program. Um, and we, we wanted to do that from the jump. We wanted to do that from our freshman year. You know, we, we wanted to get in the top 25. We, we, we were just trying to do everything. You know, we were trying to get to number one in the country. Um, but we had a couple of bad luck games, you know, a couple of bad things happened for us go that first year. And, uh, yeah, so we ended up making NIT. And then everybody was kind of like, yeah, that's what we expected. Uh, still football school, this, this, and that. So, you know, after that, we were just like, you know, no more. Um, and I think our coaches, too, you know, they recruited great. They brought in Trent's class with John Isaac, uh, C.J. Walker, all of them. Um, and, you know, they kind of helped us get this thing off the ground. We made the tournament three years in a row, Elite Eight, Sweet 16. You know, and it's just amazing to see everybody kind of recognizing our hard work that we put in. Um, yeah, and, you know, they call it a basketball school, but, you know, it's not a basketball school. You know, it's, it's a sports school now all around. You know, everybody's doing well, softball, soccer. Um, you know, our football team's about to come back and do well. Um, so we just added to the party, you know. We just added, we just put our name in there along with all the other teams, and now everybody's supporting us. Um, and now the expectation is not just make the tournament. The expectation is get to that Final Four, you know, win a national championship, get to the ACC championship and win that game you know, call ourselves champions, you know, win the league, win, be top two, top three in the league. Now it's not, it's no more, let's just get in a, you know, top five, top six. So, you know, now it's just way different expectations around campus and, you know, we're living up to it and I think they'll continue to live up to it. Um, you know, for as long as, you know, coach Ham and that staff is there because they're doing a great job bringing in the right kids. Um, and, you know, I think the fans need to know that, that, you know, this class is gone, my class is gone, but these guys that are there, they're still, you know, hungry. They're still trying to prove people that, you know, they're good too. And, you know, they're, they're going to do great things. It seems like y'all have a strong family vibe and in, inside the program. You know, you, you talked about, mm-hmm. you sat down and y'all, y'all talk, you want to change the program around and get that name out there. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like coach Hamilton has done a pretty good job on, on that end with, and you guys as leaders and veterans, but you were younger, like you said, when you wanted to change this around, but just the family mm-hmm. vibe that's around the basketball program is, is strong. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely strong. You know, we all live together at the same place. So, you know, we see each other every day. We hang out every day. We go out to eat with each other every day. So, you know, you have no choice but to be brothers at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, when you have a strong team off the court, then, you know, you don't really have to worry about them on the court. It's, it's kind of funny, you know, you're talking about, Florida State's a, a football school, and, and that's kind of the gen, the general consensus among the fans. But it, it's funny because I think this year at the end of football season, I think everybody was like, thank goodness it's basketball season. <laughs> oh, I saw multiple yeah. tweets. I saw Thought multiple tweets. Tw- <laughs> yeah, mul- there was tons yeah, of tweets. Yeah. I mean, I, I, never, I, don't, I never understood why it has to be you know one sports school, like why it has to be a football school or a basketball school. I mean, I'm waiting for the day where – 
you know, the football team makes the playoffs. And then that, that, that same winter, the basketball team, you know, that next spring we go to the final four and, you know, everybody's happy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think, you know, I think that our fans are great. You know, our basketball fans are great. You know, they, in the past two years, we did a great job of every ACC game, almost, you know, selling out student tickets, um, you know, almost selling out general admissions and stuff like that. So, you know, all those football fans are starting to convert over to basketball. Um, <laughs> and it, it obviously will take more time. You know, we need to get the, the, the student fans on their feet instead of sitting up there on their phones waiting <laughs> for me to dunk the ball. Nah. Go crazy. Shots fired. <laughs> Man, don't, don't act like you want to throw some dunks to make them get up, right? <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, I was dunking trying to make them get up on their feet. You know, Duke comes into town, everybody's on their feet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, you know, some schools, you know, it don't matter who comes into town, all their fans, all their student sections are on their feet the whole time. But, you know, like I said, that, that'll come with time. You know, we got to prove ourselves. We got to continue to go to, you know, Sweet 16, Elite Eights, you know, get to that Final Four. And then, you know, before we know it, you know, everybody's going to be on their feet, you know, waiting for us to play our first game of the season versus, you know, Florida Southern in the exhibition game. Everybody's going to be there. So, Absolutely. you know, it'll take time. Speaking of dunks, what was, it seemed like your go-to last couple of seasons, definitely in this last season, was alley-oop mm-hmm. to Kamaji at least three or four times a game. <laughs> yeah. Seemed like y'all I had mean, a good connection. Yeah, I just always know where Chris wants the ball. I always know where he's going to be. Um, and that's just from playing with him for so long. So, you know, this year I feel like we're a great duo. You know, every, I told him, anytime I drive in the paint, it may not look like I see you, but I see you. And once he got that down, he got himself in position where I could pass him the ball, and it was a wrap from there. <laughs> and and also your assists with the passing the ball, I've always been uh, pretty impressed where your head is all the way to the left, but then you're passing it to Forrest. And I, I wonder, I mean, y'all got to practice that quite a bit because these guys have, I, I would have no clue that you're passing the ball to me. I would have no idea. Yeah, but I it mean, seems like you got it uh, down pat. Yeah, I mean, we, we play against with each other for so long and, you know, they know my game. So they know every time I drive the ball, I, mean, I see them. And it may not look like I see them, but I see them. And they know that. So they're always kind of ready for me to give them a spontaneous pass out of nowhere. Terrence, can can you just tell us a little bit about Coach Hamilton, um, how he is as a coach, and also a little bit of how he is behind the scenes? Yeah, well, Coach Hamilton, he's a great guy. I mean, he, he let us play through our mistakes, um, especially when we were younger. You know, he kind of lets the young guys play through their mistakes. He doesn't, you know, take you out because you missed a shot. He's not one of those coaches. You know, you blow a defensive assignment, they just pull you right out. You know, he kind of lets you learn and play through your mistakes, so – you know, you're on defense, something bad happens, you know, he'll tell you, get the next one. If you don't get the next one, that's when you come out. You know, you got to, he, he lets players play through their mistakes. Um, and as y'all know, he doesn't get up in our face, yell at us. He's kind of laid back. Um, he kind of leaves that to the assistant coaches. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, he, he's very laid back and, you know, he, he just lets us play through our, our mistakes. And that was the biggest thing for me. Um, and I feel like that's why I was able to, you know, be such an impactful player in that program because I played through my mistakes. You know, I wasn't worried about, am I going to come out for making this, you know, read, driving here, kicking here. You know, as long as you play through the system and know what you're doing, you know, you'll be fine. And, 
you know, off the court, you know, he's he's amazing. You know, he he listens to a lot of gospel. You know, he's a jokester, always making jokes. Um, you know, it's hard to take him serious a lot because he's always, you know, waiting for that next opportunity to make another joke. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, but Coach Ham, Coach Ham is amazing. He looks great for his age. So you know, he's only getting younger. <laughs> I know, right? I wonder what what actually makes him smile because you know everybody makes fun of him online. But it looks like <laughs> mm-hmm. he's absolutely pissed off when you're leading by twenty points. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's 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 focused for forty minutes. You know, that's how he always he always is. You know, on the court, once he steps in those lines, he's focused, laser focused. You know, nothing's gonna stop him. Um, but off the court, you know, he's always smiling. You know, there's never a moment where. There's never a time where I've been with him for more than five minutes and he didn't smile, you know, for at least three of the minutes. You know, he's always smiling. So that's just him. You know, once he gets on that court, though, he's laser focused. Mm-hmm. You started your career off and and starting off first year in the NIT, and then you ended it with three straight NCAA tournament appearances, two Sweet 16 mm-hmm. appearances, and then y'all went uh, on an Elite Eight uh, berth. Uh, can you briefly take us through the journey of turning Florida State basketball from an afterthought and the march to a legitimate uh, contender? Uh-huh. So, I mean, we just, like I said, it was just a mindset, really. You know, we just got, I wouldn't say we got more talent because our freshman year we was very talented. You know, we could have easily went to the C-16 that year, I think so. Um, and like I said, we just had some bad luck plays happen to us uh, throughout some games, but what what it really was was a mindset and a closer team. You know, we we all got really close off of the court, um, and our like I said, expectation changed. So that that second year, it wasn't let's make the tournament. It was you know let's go all the way. You know, let's win a national championship. That was always on our mind. Every game we played, we played like we were playing for the national championship. And I think that year we went like eighteen at my sophomore year. We went like eighteen to zero at home. Um, mm-hmm. I think we won like twenty six total games or something like that. So. Once once that happened and we saw what we were capable of doing um, within our system, you know the expectations changed and everything just got. Let's go to the national championship. You know it wasn't just uh, you know we're just this raggedy old ACC program. You know always finishing in the middle of the pack. No, nah, it was let's finish at the top. You know let's 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 get it going. Let's go to the Sweet Sixteen, Final Four, stuff like that. So you know the talk around the locker room, the talk around. You know, the program was, wasn't was any more, let's just make the tournament. You know, it was bigger than that. And I think that's what happened. You know, we got closer and the expectations got changed. Yeah, with, with your senior class and Fiondu Cavangeli moving on from Tallahassee, what do you think is mm-hmm. next for this program under Coach Hamilton with so much youth next season? Yeah, I mean, I think the youth for them is going to be tough um, at first in the off season. you know, because – you got to teach everybody new plays, new defensive principles, all that stuff. Um, but I think, you know, the the year that we had last year with all that winning we did and the culture is just all about winning right now. I mean, we won 29 games. I can't remember the last time somebody did that at Florida <laughs> State. So, you know, it, it's just a winning culture now. So I think, the you know, the freshmen will get on very fast. Um, they'll catch on really fast after – you know, the first few games, but that's okay. It's not like they're playing Florida. Are they playing Florida first again? I think you second. Um, I think it'll be the second game. Second. Yeah, well, see, you know, that, that, that their game's going to be tough because they're younger. Um, but mm-hmm. I think the leadership on the team now is just a, it's a winning culture. So, you know, they'll catch on fast and they should be fine. And like I said, the expectation is different. So, 
you know, they're not just they, they won't have the freshmen just playing for let's make a tournament as a nine seed or, you know, they, they're trying to play for a one seed right now. No matter who's there, no matter what, you know, they, they think they can do it and I think they can do it. And, you know, they're definitely talented. You know, they brought in a lot of talent and they still got talent there. So, you know, they're playing for that one seed. Yeah, so we mentioned uh, Devin Vassell earlier uh, in, in, the, mm-hmm. in the podcast, uh, kind of mentioned like the way he stepped up. Um, mm-hmm. And then we also saw another freshman, uh, Raekwon Gray, this past season uh, get in and make an impact. Um, mm-hmm. can, you, can you speak a little bit about those guys and also, in addition, uh, maybe name some guys that you really can see making an impact next year and the years to come um, who, are, who are pretty young in their career so far? Yeah, so, um, you know, Devin – did a great job for us this season, you know. Um, at first, you know, he, he was a freshman dealer, freshman problems, you know, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to be. Um, and he was the only freshman. So it was kind of hard for him, uh, you know, not having a big-time class like, I, you know, I did. I came in with Bacon, Malik, Chris, and Benji Bell was there at the time. So we were all new players. But he was by himself. And, you know, he everybody was ahead of him. Everybody kind of knew what they were doing. Um, so, you know, it took him a little while, but once he caught on, you know, he showed his ability to score the ball, defend, you know, just a big time player all around, make, make great defensive plays, make great reads on the offensive end and is very athletic. So, you know, he did a lot for us. You know, he changed a lot of the games, you know, when we played at Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech, he changed that game tremendously. You know, he changed that game versus Virginia Tech. So, you know, that's just Devin. He gets in the game. He's impactful. Um, it kind of reminds me of myself when I was a freshman, you know, just trying to get in there and be impactful, uh, you know, change the game with, with my energy, and that's what he does. Um, Raekwon, you know, he's an amazing player, very skilled on offensive end. Um, you know, never meets a, a lane or, a, you know, a, a crevice that he doesn't like. He's trying to split through that and get to the basket. So, you know, that's just how he is. Um, and, you know, he's a great defender. You know, he's in block shots and stuff like that. He's very athletic. He may not look like it, but he is. So, you know, they, they should be good this year. Um, you know, they should they should definitely step up into new roles and be and be that those, those go-to guys that, that, you know, that everybody thinks that they're missing, but they're really not. Right. Um, and then in terms of a, a player who I think will step up big time, um, I think Anthony Polite. Um, you know, I also think Malik Osborne. Um, you know, those two guys, you know, I see making a, a big time impact. Malik is very athletic. He's a transfer. He didn't sit out last year. You know, very athletic. Um, he could play the three of the four. Um, working on his jump shot, that's getting way better. Um, he, I think he's going to be a big time defender, and you'll definitely see him catching a lot of lobs like I used to. Um, and then Anthony, you know, he's just a great big time defender also. You know, uh, you know, he picks up the ball 94 feet. He does a great job of that for us, and he can also shoot the ball. So, you know, when you have all those type of guys who are great at their role, you know, it's a great recipe for a good team. Yeah, absolutely. I've got one more question for you, and we usually ask our mm-hmm. uh, our guests this. Uh, what's What was one of your most memorable moments at Florida State? It can be on the court, off the court, just mm-hmm. any time a game or uh, a shot that you made just – Put me through one of your your most memorable moments there. Um, for me, I think it was when we beat Duke my sophomore year at home. Um, I think that was just the most memorable moment, most memorable game for me because I feel like that was the game that really set the tone in Tallahassee. Like, you know, we're a big time program. 
you know, we we are, you know, at the top of the league. That year we finished second in the league. So, you know, I feel like that game, that whole year, I kind of just set it off. And that was just a pivotal moment in my life because everything started to change after that. You know, everybody started to tell me, oh, you're a pro, you're a pro. You know, <laughs> that, that game, that moment, that time, it just definitely changed everything for all of us, I think, that was on the team at the time. Well, Terrence, I know we talked about 15 to 20 minutes and the DM is about going, but we went for about 30, 30 minutes uh, and everything was awesome. Uh, it's great insight to see how this program shifted like you did whenever you first got there and where it is now and where, it, like you uh, commented on multiple times, where it is going to continue to go um, and expectations are at, at the highest level. Uh, right now uh, and uh, I'm so glad that we got to bring you on uh, I know the fans uh, will love to hear a lot of this info that you gave them uh, thank you thank you so much for coming on here this spear oh man no problem thanks for having me man